Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois J. Wetzel Show, and I'm your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live this morning from 9 a.m. Houston, Texas, Central Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free, and if you do that, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, and let people know that you were here and listening to my show. You can get reminders of upcoming shows. It's all free. My call-in number is 347-945-5309. You can call using the telephone or Skype. You can listen on your phone or your computer. If you're calling in and you want to ask a question, just hit the number 1 and I'll know that you would like to ask a question. I also want to remind you that I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics spirituality, the coming changes, all the kinds of things we talk about here on this show. I've been sending this newsletter out for about 12 years, and to sign up for that, you would go to my website, hotpinklotus.com. I do not share email addresses with anyone because your privacy is important. Good morning. It is Friday, the first Friday in 2012. It is January the 6th. It's 9 a.m. where I am, which is Central Time. And um, I decided today what I want to do is talk about all the possibilities that that I have been hearing about and possibly you've been hearing about too, about what's going to happen in 2012. This is a, a time that has been heralded for thousands of years in one religion or another, and I think it behooves us to pay attention on the one hand, but on the other hand, I think whatever is going to happen is so outside the box that if you can imagine it, it's probably not what's going to happen. Um, Expect the unexpected is probably the the phrase to use for this year and uh, particularly for the end of the year. I am going to read you my uh, newsletter that I sent out a couple of days ago, and I mentioned that in the introduction, that it's a free newsletter. I've been sending it out for probably 13 years now. Um, and to sign up for it, you go to my website, hotpinklotus.com, and um, I'm happy to send it out to you. And there are also things you get like sales on readings and so forth, uh, readings that I do if you're on the mailing list that you wouldn't get if you just went there and read the newsletter periodically. Here's what I've written about for 2012. Happy 2012 to everyone. I don't know what's going to happen this year, but I feel fairly certain that this time next year we'll be looking back and saying, oh, something happened all right. My sense is that more than one something will happen and that it just not might not be anything we can imagine or expect at all at this point. Here's what I dream will happen, at least in part. Humanity will finally get it that we're not alone. There are spirit beings, light beings, extra-dimensional beings, extraterrestrials, whatever you choose to tag them in your labeling attempts, and they are all around us. 
Okay. They've always been around us, but most of us have been shut down or blind in a way, or to say another way, sightless to their presence. I think we'll all begin to see and hear them again. I mean, I think the rest of you will begin to do that right along with the oddballs like me. I believe we will get it that our thoughts are rarely our own, but that they are part of a collective energy of all the beings around us, human and otherwise. We will finally understand that thoughts are not all that important, but that picking up on the information in the ether is much more important. You remember Einstein said imagination is more important than knowledge. I do believe that's what he was talking about. We will be working at picking up on the information in the ether, and it will be part of surviving and thriving well. It's so much more important because that's where the collective unconscious, the akash, the source, or whatever you want to call it, happens to exist. God is in the spaces between things, and that is what connects us. People will begin to understand that these invisible beings have been talking to us all along and that many of our so-called ideas were given to us as gifts from these unseen beings who love us and have been helping us through a very long, dark time in our history as a species. If there is an alien disclosure, I suspect it will be something like turning to see who it is that just walked into the kitchen and realizing it was someone from Orion who had been there for a long time, but who we can finally see, or maybe one day we will be driving home from dinner at a friend's house, look up into the sky, and incredulously see into the fifth dimension to observe the spacecraft, which have always been up there monitoring and protecting us. My guess is that a few people will begin to turn into light. By that I mean that the cells of their bodies will speed up in vibrational frequency to the point that they are no longer flesh and blood, but rather they are made of pure light. If that happens, they will be able to walk through walls, appear and disappear at will, transport themselves without Scotty or a transporter machine. We don't really need machines. We can do more than almost anyone can now imagine just with our minds. This is called spiritual technology. Some people will notice that they have a Merkaba, M-E-R-K-A-B-A, if you want to Google that. It'll take you off on a little trip. Some people will notice that they have a Merkaba and begin to control it and use it to travel from one place to another. It will all start with a few people, and then their number, numbers will gradually grow. Here's something that I do not exactly wish for, but that may happen. Perhaps the poles will shift. I don't know if they will or not, but they might. By that I mean that the North Pole will have South Mole South Pole magnetism and vice versa. If that happens, it might be that there would be about three days of darkness or universal blindness. In other words, candles and flashlights don't work either. So listen carefully. If that does happen, we're supposed to shelter in place. People get hurt if they run amok in the streets with everyone totally blind, and I get this information from the Guatemalan Mayans who have the most complete of the ancient texts. My suggestion is that keeping a little bit of extra water around is a handy thing, a little bit of extra food and blankets in case the weather changes for a while. How much trouble can that be anyhow? The main thing is don't panic. Panic's not your friend. Peace is. There's no need to fear something just because you don't understand it. Being a neutral observer is a better decision. Just collect data without making judgments. There are many parallel realities. We know this scientifically now. 
You make a major decision and you a, a parallel reality branches off. During such a time as I mentioned above, if it happens, that's a big if, we would want to control our consciousness carefully. Those people who get into catastrophizing and fear, they end up in a different parallel reality and one that's not as much fun as the people who yawn, take a nap and say, this too shall pass and when it does, I can't wait to go outside and see what's changed. This is fun and exciting. A new world is being born. So... I would suggest why not practice being positive in your mind starting today. I think that it's possible that the pyramids all over the planet, including the ones still covered with several feet of earth, like the ones in China and Bosnia and many of those in the Yucatan and Mexico and elsewhere, will be reactivated if there is a pole shift or temporary dropping of the magnetosphere or some other strange thing affecting our entire planet. I suspect that it is possible that they've been waiting for tens of thousands of years to do what needs to be done in the event of a pole shift or the temporary loss of the magnetic grid on the Earth or some other thing I can't even fathom or imagine. I do think that we will begin using the pyramids again for their original purposes and that those uses will become clear to us in the next few years. Maybe pieces of this will come to pass this year. Maybe they'll come to pass over the next decade. Maybe I'm full of crap and none of it will happen. Only time will tell. But I will say that I definitely, positively am excited about the coming year, like a little kid about to open a huge pile of Christmas gifts or to awaken to a thick blanket of snow covering the earth for the first time. I cannot wait to see what is coming. My intuition tells me that even if it is a temporary shakeup, it's still the best thing that's ever happened to the entire human race and all of recorded history. I'm glad to be alive at this time. I'm excited about this year. May this year be the best indeed of all your lifetimes. Namaste. Okay, that was my... That was my newsletter this month. So, again, if you want to sign up for that, I'd love for you to do that. I really love it when the numbers get bigger and people email me and say thank you for what you wrote because I enjoy doing these sorts of things for other people. And it's nice to get positive reinforcement back. So you go to my uh, website, my primary website. I have several. This is the oldest one, hotpinklotus.com. And you know, while you're preparing for this year, which I think uh, a spiritual preparation is appropriate, here's something interesting that I found on my friend Marvina's um, easing, and it is a um, awakening vow break. And this is interesting. I'll read it once, and then I'll read it a second time, and you can say it along with me if you want. I now rescind any and all vows that I have taken to experience the illusion of unconsciousness. As a light bearer of my genetic lineage, I break these vows for myself and all of my ancestors. I declare these vows null and void in this incarnation and in all incarnations across time and space, parallel realities, parallel universes, alternate realities, alternate universes, all planetary systems, all source systems, all dimensions, and the void. I ask for the release of all crystals, devices, thought forms, emotions, matrices, veils, cellular memory, pictures of reality, genetic limitations, and death now under the law of grace and by the decree of victory. By the decree of victory, 
by the decree of victory. As spirit wills, I ask for awakening. As spirit wills, we awaken. In the beginning, I am that I am. Bereshit, aye, I share, aye, I now rescind. Namaste. Okay, that's an awakening vow break. In other words, if you've taken any vows in past lives that would stop you from awakening this year, if that's what this whole business is about, and a whole lot of people suspect that, you might want to uh, say this awakening vow break, which you can also find um, either on Marvena's website, that's Marvena, M-A-R-V-E-E-N-A dot com, or it's on my uh, newsletter page on my Hot Pink Lotus website. I'm going to read it one more time so that you can say it with me. This is the awakened vow break. I now rescind any and all vows that I have taken to experience the illusion of unconsciousness. As a light bearer of my genetic lineage, I break these vows for myself and all of my ancestors. Now, those of you who are parents may want to add and progeny to ancestors. I declare these vows null and void in this incarnation and in all incarnations across time and space, parallel realities, parallel universes, alternate realities, alternate universes, all planetary systems, all source systems, all dimensions, and the void. I ask for the release of all crystals, devices, thought forms, emotions, matrices, veils, cellular memory, pictures of reality, genetic limitations, and death now. Under the law of grace and by the decree of victory, by the decree of victory, by the decree of victory. As spirit wills, I ask for awakening. As spirit wills, we awaken. In the beginning, I am that I am. Rashid, ehe, I share, ehe, I now ascend, namaste. Okay, and again, you can find that on my website, hotpinklotus.com, under newsletters. Okay. So if you have any comments or questions, all you have to do is hit the number one on your phone. If you call in, and the number again to call in is 347-945-5309. I'm happy to answer questions, listen to comments. There's another person who's written something that I find rather fascinating, and that's Ingrid Naiman, N-A-I-M-A-N. She's a very interesting older woman. She's probably in her late 70s now. But she's got a website called Bioethica and another one called Kitchen Doctor, and she's an herbologist, and she's brilliant, brilliant. Um, She has written something about the parallels, the Uranus parallels between 2012 and 1928 that I think is interesting enough to share with you. And she also has a subscriber list. You can sign up for free newsletters. And this is her first post for the new year. Um, And she's posted it to continue drawing parallels to help people see patterns. 
All astronomical cycles have features similar to what we readily understand as seasons. We easily grasp the fact that the sun affects temperature, and therefore the more we see of it, the warmer it's likely to be. We know that long days with sunlight are good for everything that thrives with warmth, such as plant growth, whereas shorter days are good for hibernation and perhaps also rest and regeneration. If we take a moment to think about this as well as the fact that balance is crucial to existence, then we also realize that whereas the days and nights are more or less equal in equatorial regions, they're very exaggerated as we move away from the midline up to the poles. However, even if we love the midnight sun and the extreme latitudes, we also see that long winters are dark and promote a certain kind of inwardness that includes mystical exploration as well as perhaps a certain amount of travel to places that do not have such long winters. In any event, there is a balance because in winter, the days are short, so in the scope of a year, light and dark were equal, as in the tropics. We easily recognize seasons relating to the Earth's orbit around the sun, but we seldom look at the other cycles with the same intensity of focus, so we don't connect the dots. However, we respond to the influences even when not really conscious that we are doing so. It is with this in mind that I want to go into more depth about the present Uranus transit through Aries. And those of you who are unaware, Uranus has just left Pisces and gone into Aries, which is all about new beginnings. It is all about, I mean, Aries is the first sign in the zodiac, and it is uh, seed planting, new beginnings. Okay, back to her newsletter. I have been talking about this for a couple of years already because Uranus was moving in and out of Aries since May 2010. Thus, we've already seen some reaction. Keep in mind that Uranus is the magician, not the David Copperfield type, but the cosmic magician whose task it is to initiate the response of matter to spirit. Some people have belief systems that readily understand these words, and others might have thought patterns that intercept the words and block the understanding. In a world dominated by science, the very idea of divine intent might be anathema. We try to explain away something as complex as the entire universe as a big bang, an utterly capricious material event with no purpose and no explanation as to the origin of the substance used to create out of nothingness. Okay, this is my point. If you can accept something transcendent, in other words, something that exists beyond the limit of the human mind, then Uranus is coordinating that expression. But what exactly does this mean? It means that at the first point where it's possible to sneak a preview, see a glimmer of what is beyond our present level of understanding, Uranus is organizing that which is to be revealed. This means that Uranus works for the creator and is not a malefic as some astrologers insist. The unwelcome events that transpire are not due to evil, but rather our lack of preparedness and resistance. Now let me rewind a bit. If we take any possibility and study it, we see that aside from the sudden stardom of athletes and pop idols and perhaps an occasional politician, most of what is new is resisted or even blocked. Some of the examples I've been using in recent years include the electric car and free energy. Both have been technologically feasible for more than a century, so we have to ask why we have telephones and computers but not free energy. Unfortunately, my dots suggest that the reason is the profits and power associated with archaic technology, such as combustion engine and the fuels used for operating them. Free energy would change the power structure. 
and it would be easy to argue that there is very little separation between that power structure and other problems we face such as war, contaminated food, water and air, bogus medicines, and so on and so forth. So if we zoom out on the first rounds of Uranus and Aries, we see WikiLeaks, the Tea Party, Anonymous, the Occupy Movement, and countless crises with currency and governments. What this suggests is that the momentum is sufficient for change, but the resistance is playing out its swan song. For the moment, I do not want to take a position on any of these issues. What I prefer to do is help people see a pattern, and the method I've always used in teaching situations is to have people map other patterns. Most of us are not 84 years old, so we can't go back to 1928 in our lives. However, we can look at a quarter cycle and half cycle, sort of like the equinoctical and solstice points of an 84-year cycle, because you see Uranus has an 84-year cycle. And it's approaching the place where it was in 1928. Now, okay, so my interest in history is not what we would call academic. I told you I hated how history was taught in school. Moreover, I now realize that what we were taught is hardly much more reliable than our childhood beliefs in the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. The longer I live and the more I probe, the more evident it is that education is just an attempt to control thinking, not a process of encouraging thought. My interest in history is not what we would call academic. Onwards. To look at parallels between 2012 and the previous Uranus cycle, I started only with the point similar to where we are now. In other words, Uranus had just finished retrograding into Pisces and was finally in Aries for the duration. No more going back to Pisces. This took us back to 1928. That's when it happened the last time. I tried to limit inquiries to a few main subjects, advances in technology, which are traditionally Uranus-ruled, and astrologers actually agree on this, and major changes in the socio-political world. I did not try to list new books, films, births, deaths, etc. Aviation advances at at the same point 84 years ago. Aviation advances were major the first transoceanic flights across the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, the very first ones, occurred in 1928, which is when Uranus was exactly where we are now. In film, we saw the introduction of all the first talking movies and the first color film, the first cartoon with sound, the first Academy Awards. It was also the year of the first color TV broadcast. And yes, it really did take a long time for that technology to become a part of everyday living. It was also the year that the first air conditioners were installed in offices and the advent of sliced bread in the marketplace. We may take something like that for granted, but when Ingrid grew up, and she's the one who's writing this, she was taught more or less that it's a sin to cut bread. It must be broken, so I can imagine there might have been significant religious resistance to such a novel idea, even though sliced bread is now commonplace. Given that neither of my parents were pious, I have actually wondered why such a fuss was made over bread, but the advent of sliced bread was still new enough to be controversial in 1928. It would be very helpful for those preparing for 2012 just to roll their heads and wonder and not position themselves one way or the other 
right now as to whether or not we should show our respect for Christianity by banning sliced bread. In the world of medicine, there were two noteworthy events. The first guide dog for the blind was trained and put into service. It was also the year that Alexander Fleming realized that a strain of penicillin was destroying Staphylococcus aureus in Petri dishes, in other words, staph infections. It was many more years before the penicillin was developed into an antibiotic and the Nobel Prize was later yet. Politics is very hard to cover because we should address the entire world, but I haven't got the time for that kind of research. I did, however, take a look at the United States since 1928 was an election year, as was 1844, the previous year in a cycle. Hoover won a landslide victory in 1928. President Hoover. Hoover had an interesting background, first in mining and later in solving the problems of hunger. He was dedicated to eradicating poverty and crime, but the crash of 1929 hit in his first year in office. He tried to change the relationship between government and the private sector. He started by canceling all private oil leases on government land and changed the way some branches of the government operated so that he could go after Al Capone and the gangsters. A Quaker, Hoover withdrew American troops from Nicaragua and Haiti. The Hoovers had lived in China immediately following their marriage, and they both spoke Chinese, especially when they did not want White House staffers to understand what they were discussing between themselves. The president and Mrs. Hoover had been college sweethearts at Stanford University and world travelers who who advocated friendly relations with everyone. Hoover's vice president was the first Native American to serve such high office. Curtis was from the Kaw, K-A-W, nation, and Hoover sought to bring all relations all races equal opportunity. Once the Great Depression hit, Hoover negotiated repatriation of half a million foreign laborers who were accused of holding jobs needed by citizens. Tariffs were also raised on imports so as to keep more production on U.S. soil. Okay, so anyone who's interested can read as much or as little as remains, but the parallels are very interesting. The rule for Uranus is that what happens cannot be predicted. That means that whatever you expect will happen this year is probably something well within the ring pass knot and not the new that Uranus is trying to bring forward. In other words, if you can imagine it, that's probably not what's going to happen. Okay, so if you want to hear her next post, you might want to subscribe to Ingrid Naiman, N-A-I-M-A-N, to her um, newsletter at kitchendoctor.com or else Bioethica. She's got several newsletters. So I hope, if if nothing else, you're beginning to get the feeling that um, something's going to happen and no one can guess what it is. And if you can guess, it's probably not the thing that's going to happen. So if you think uh, that aliens are going to land on the White House lawn, well, draw a line through that because you guessed it and it can't happen. <laughs> it's probably not what uh, Uranus has in mind for us. It's uh, It's got to do with things happening suddenly. It's like a lightning strike, and it's got to do with revolution, and it's got to do with uh, major change and bringing in the new, even though it causes uh, the collapse of the old. And um, that's what I have to say about it. If you have anything you want to say, uh, call me. hit the number one, and I'll know that you want to talk. 
And let me tell you um, also, remind you, those of you who have tuned in, not at the beginning but later, that I have a website uh, that has a free newsletter. It's hotpinklotus.com. And I don't ever share your information with anybody because your privacy is important. Uh, right now, I have uh, I also do tarot readings and I've been doing them. Uh, Archangel Gabriel is the one who comes through and talks as I'm doing these readings. I've been doing those for about 25 years, um, and I've got a sale on them right now. They're normally $60 for 30 minutes, and they're 45 through January. So if you want to get in touch with me for one of those readings, uh, you can have 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or an hour. Um, my email address is Lois, L-O-I-S, at hotpinklotus.com. I'd love to do a reading for you. I'm about 80 to 90% accurate, and uh, that's pretty good for somebody who never wanted to do tarot readings and sort of got arm twisted into it. Um, also, uh, for those of you who don't know, I do past life readings from the Akashic Records, and I've also written a book about that, Akashic Records, Case Studies of Past Lives, which is available on Amazon and paperback or on Kindle for $2.99. And um, I also have a little shop on Etsy, E-T-S-Y, called Lakshmi's Joy. That's L-A-X-M-I, Lakshmi, L-A-X-M-I, apostrophe S-J-O-Y, Lakshmi's Joy. And I would love to have any and all of you show up on Lakshmi's Joy and check out the pendulums and jewelry that I make. So if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Otherwise... Uh, since nobody's raising their hand, all those people have called in, but no one's got a question or a comment, so I'm just going to play a little music for now.
Okay, we're just almost out of time now. And in closing, what I want to do is uh, read something to you that I actually got on Facebook. And it is from the Gaia Tree, who is the feminine uh, word for in Sanskrit for song or hymn. She's a consort of Brahma and the goddess of learning. And this is... Uh, a quote, O thou who givest sustenance to the universe, from whom all things proceed, to whom all things return, unveil to us the face of the true spiritual sun, hidden by a disk of golden light, that we may know the truth and do our whole duty as we journey to thy sacred feet. <laughs> 